The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? It's time. For the best damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show! Right here, right now, on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I sit behind the microphone of truth. Telling you what really goes on in Orange County politics. And while there are three things that we can always count on, those being expensive lattes, expensive SUVs, and a biannual political persecution in the DA's office, there's always a fourth too. Cameron Jackson, here, every Friday, from 5 to 6 p.m. Now sit back, crack open a cold one, and enjoy the next hour. baby welcome to the show i am cameron jackson this is the oc show right here on kuci 88.9 fm in irvine like always i have an outstanding show for you today i have a guest in studio but before i get to my guest just a couple of house cleaning things for you if you're just joining us and you want to continue listening once you get out of your car which you will today for sure go to KUCI.org, click in the upper right hand corner also, also, you can go to my website anytime you'd like, theocshow.net. That is theocshow.net. You can uh, listen to past shows, listen to upcoming shows. Right now in the queue on the old shows that I just did, one with uh, Christina Shea. She is the Irvine City Councilwoman, getting ready to get termed out. And the Irvine City Council uh, candidate, Jeff Lalloway. And this show will be podcast later on today uh, as well. So, And also, upcoming, maybe, possibly, I'm working on getting Todd Spitzer for next week. So you want to stick to the website, theocshow.net, and uh, check that regularly to see if he is coming. My guest today, though has been a this is the third time uh, this gentleman has been in uh, studio here he's always very gracious with his time to come down to KUCI and talk about what's going on in the county it is Orange County Supervisor Board of Supervisor member John Morlock John how are you today I'm doing good Cameron thanks thank you thank you I hope you enjoy that introduction there uh, always good good thank you so like I said you've been down here th- uh, two times now this is your third time and and you know it's very nice that you come down here and spend a Friday evening before Labor Day. I'm sure you could be anywhere else but here talking to us about 
what's going on in Orange County as far as the Board of Supervisors is concerned? Well, thank you, Cameron. It's nice to get off early. <laughs> so tell me real quick, just for listeners who have no clue what a Board of Supervisor is, what, what is it that you do? That's a, that's a great question. There are three levels of, of government in uh, the state. You have the state government, you have the county government, and you have the local city government. Um, and the, the county government pretty much takes care of the state and federal government services that you enjoy in, in the community, health care, social services, the county jail, um, the airport, the landfills, just some of the bigger services that we, in a sense, ad- administer at our level. And uh, a, good, a good portion of our budget pretty much is just federal and state funding for programs. So we, we conduct those and uh, that allows the cities to do the city work and, uh, you know, the water districts to do their, their thing. And we, we're, we're just at another level of government that uh, provides some critical services to the public. Now, one of the things I love to talk about is the budget. And a lot of people don't know, we actually get a large portion of our monies from the federal and state. Is that correct? Right. We have a budget that's about $5.5 billion. And, and, and about $700 uh, million is pretty much locally controlled from from the revenues we receive that are non we, we call them general fund uh, dollars that that we have uh, uh, some control over and the rest is pretty much you know implementing the projects and and and, and programs uh, mandated by the state and the federal government so the five billion that comes in though is that money that is uh, guaranteed to us each uh, or I mean is that money that expands each year we get a little bit more each year or how has it been impacted lately because of the state financial troubles that we're in and the fact we have no budget in the state as of today we have a July 1 to June 30 fiscal year so the 09 2010 budget we reduced that by 18% from 6.7 billion to 5.5 billion so we have been been declining in the total budget we we uh, cut as much as we could that year uh, we're still in this recession and in a downturn so we uh, cut it a little bit more for the 10 11 uh, budget year the only problem we have at this point is that the state which is a major part of our uh, activities has not finalized their budget so we try as best as we can to determine what funding levels they may be providing for us. Uh, so, we, but we have to wait for their budget. And I think what what we're in day sixty five. So, if if they're if the amount that they finally approve for all the, the the services we perform on their behalf is is lower than what we had budgeted, then we'll have to reduce our budget some more. If it's higher. Then, then we were conservative enough, and 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 we should be fine. Now, is the county hamstrung like the state of California? Whereas, this, from what I understand, half of the state of California's budget is earmarked for citizen initiatives that we've voted into existence over the last fifteen, twenty years. And so, budget makers up or policymakers up in uh, Sacramento have a hard time with the budget because they can't use a lot of it because it's earmarked. Do we have that same problem in Orange County, or is the budget, could you completely, uh, you know, with the exception of fire and police and things like that, I mean, could you really cut to the bone if you had to in Orange County? Well, that, there's, that's a loaded question, and so let me give a, 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 a different answers at different levels. Uh, at the state level, uh, Prop 98 says half of the revenues go to education, so that takes care of half your budget, theoretically. 
Uh, if you lock in debt, you're going to see a lot of money going up for principal and interest as well. So, yeah, there's some things fixed costs will, will be locked in. There are a lot of uh, what we call ballot by initiative measures. So I would I would think that the software, the Excel spreadsheet for the state budget has got to be kind of an amazing little Rubik's Cube to, to work with. We don't have that kind of um, hurdles or, or, you know, like an obstacle course to run through uh, at the county. If the state reduces their amount of funding to us for programs, we'll, we'll just make the layoffs. And we have. We, we've laid off about a 1,000 positions. So uh, that gets tough in, in certain cases. There are different uh, hurdles that we have to jump. For instance, the state many years ago in the early 90s uh, decided to do something that they called realignment. They said, why don't you perform the services at the county level and we'll give you the revenues and you just take care of it instead of it being taken care of at Sacramento level. And so little things happen. Like they said, well, we'll give you a sales tax stream to cover probation, certain health care, uh, social services, and, and we'll give you a vehicle license fees, that stream as well. So when sales tax declines by 19%, and and when cars stop selling, all of a sudden those designated revenue streams, this realigned income that usually would go to the state and they'd give us all of our money, now that risk lies with us. And so we had to make some dramatic cuts. So we did that with our eligibility workers in our welfare social services department, only to find that a special interest group, little law clinic, said, you know, the law says you need to respond and give food stamps and welfare within 30 days when people walk in and ask for it. And you're sort of not doing it all in 30 days. You can ask for an extension of 60 days, but you've got to have a high threshold of about 95, 96, 97% turnaround. And when when you decrease the staffing, it gets a little more difficult. So they sued us, and a judge, a federal judge, agreed and said you should be at a higher level, which is sort of, a funny thing they they're, they're telling us what kind of levels we have to be at but they reduced the funding for us and now we had to pay a couple million bucks to 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 this clinic for all their you know legal fees and 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 if i don't comply i'm you know i'm i'm you know i could be put to jail which is a real crazy obstacle course or you know barriers or, or, or frustrations that, that we have to face. And, and that's one of the things that always strikes me because the public always cries out and says, get rid of the social welfare programs, get rid of the social welfare programs. And believe me, I'm not one for all the social welfare programs that we have out there. But when you actually look at the budget, like for instance, when you look at the federal budget, the, the, the federal uh, budget and even the state budget, it's a, the small piece of the pie on that social welfare, welfare stuff. It's the retirements. It's the retirements and those types of entitlement programs that are killing us. And you have been at the forefront of, of trying to fix the retirement system that we've got going right now. Basically, what happened was back in the 90s, this happened statewide. Uh, first, it started with police departments. I was a beneficiary of that. Uh, you got 3% at 50, which means you, means you got uh, 90% of your highest paid year once you retired and you could retire at age 50. And many uh, agencies before that were a much lower, it was what, maybe what, 2%? Or 1.62%. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very low. And then all of a sudden, we had this 3% at 90 because the economy was booming and everybody in the legislature said, let's give these union people uh, their, their, their due. We'll secure votes for us in the future. Where are we at now as far as that is concerned? Uh, because this has been kind of a long, drawn-out uh, battle. But uh, I, the way you have presented it, 
it sounds like there's actually a, a potentially very good legal argument for it. Well, let me let me back up. Sure, please. And 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 and, and kind of dovetail your last question with this one. We sort of have an interesting taxing structure in California. Uh, and and when the economy is good, your tax revenues are good. And when the economy is down, your tax revenues are down. We're very Boom and tied. Bust. We're tied to at the hip with our business community. So we, we certainly want everyone to thrive and prosper. And, 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 and unfortunately, we, we do things to discourage them from setting up their businesses here right. and move to Texas or whatever. Right. But... In those boom and bust cycles, uh, in the boom cycles, the unions say, oh, you got money and you should give us pay raises and better benefits. And in the bust cycles, they say, well, we need to raise taxes. Right. So it's a funny thing. It, it, when we're in a boom cycle, we should be putting money aside and we should tell the public employee unions, this is not your money. This is for the next downturn. This is for the next bust that we need to draw on because... You know, when I talk about giving welfare benefits, I'm talking about mortgage employees, mortgage company employees walking in in suits and ties looking for food stamps. I mean, the, the time they really need us, the time they really need us, we're out of money. And that's not right. And, and we're not seeing uh, at the state level the kind of sensitivity to that. The, the, the employee unions in Sacramento are saying, you can't lay us off. You know, we'll sue you if you give us furloughs. And we're even going to scream and do, you know, rallies around the Capitol if you don't give us pay raises. It's is that they're 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 tone deaf to what's happening uh, in this state. Well, they should be ha they should be happy and thankfully even have a job during this period. Of Absolutely, time. because I mean, really, they have the ultimate job security. Abs it, yeah, it, and there's no two ways about it. So, so you know, for kids on campus here at UCI, you want to go into government. Absolutely, this is this is wow. the industry to. To, you know, it used to be plastics, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> so, so in the last boom in the late 90s, we, we were experiencing uh, equity returns of 20 to 30% a year. If you remember, we had the dot-com boom. Right. Everybody had to start a, a, you know, some kind of company in Silicon Valley. And, and even without revenues, their stock was trading at multiples that were just, you know, unheard of. So a lot of people made a lot of money, including pension funds. So by 98... The buzzword was not what what do we do about the next bust? What do we do about the next down cycle? And how much of our equity portfolio do we liquidate and then put those proceeds into bonds so we can kind of ride out any kind of uh, bust and still be fully funded, which would have been the appropriate thing to do. But CalPERS, the largest pension system in the in the state or excuse me in the country, which is five hundred billion dollars in the hole right now. It's big, but I mean, I think there's only one other pension system that's bigger, and that's the Japanese postal system. So, you know, if we're looking at at the world, you know, CalPERS is the gorilla, and, and two thirds of their board are comprised of union representatives, and their union, or their union backed board said, "My goodness, we're fully funded in our pension plan. We need to raise benefits." Well, no, you don't do that. You, you, you know, you don't change formulas in the middle of the game. So what they did is they took a fully funded pension plan, changed the formulas with a bill called Senate Bill 400, which said we could improve your retirement benefits by 50%. So all of a sudden overnight, if you approved that, you became two-thirds funded. So it shouldn't be a surprise to our listeners that 
Orange County is 68% funded at this moment in time in history. Now, explain that when you say 68% funded. We're not 100% funded, which would be ideal. We're only 68% funded. Is that what you're right. saying? Right, and if, you're, if your funding is 80% or less, you're in trouble. So how long can how long at current levels? And if you're just joining us, my guest today is Orange County Board of Supervisor John Morlock. He's in studio with uh, me today here at the OC Show uh, to talk about uh, the budget and all things uh, considered here for uh, Orange County. How you know how long can we sustain our current pension system at 68 percent? And it's not going to get any. I mean, it's not getting better. It's a great question, but let me finish up with the last All one because right. the last one was even a better question. Okay, keep going. So, I get ahead of myself. No, no, this is great because CalPERS has this interesting policy that when you improve a benefit formula, you know, as you said, you pointed out, they were at 2% at 50, they went to 3% at 50. They have a habit of making that pension formula retroactive to the data higher. They don't want to do the math. They don't want to say, okay, you were at 1.5 for 10 years and 2 at 50 for 10 years and then 3 at 50 for 10 years and, you know, and just do the math to come up with your benefit. No, it's just easier, you know, data higher, you know, 3% and, and, and call it even. That's not only lazy, but it's unconstitutional. So to get back to your question, we filed a lawsuit because our county supervisors in 2001 went from 2% at 50 to 3% at 50 and made it retroactive to the date of hire, which is why so many good employees in public safety, good deputy sheriffs, good public safety officials left the county at age 50 because they could make 75% of their salary staying home. How do you convince your spouse that you're going to risk your life every day just for 25% more when you could retire at 50, get the 75, watch it double in 24 years if with a 3% COLA, if you understand the rule of 72s. And and then maybe you could even get another job, you know, and make a well, and that's, 100 grand somewhere else. Absolutely. And, and so now you're, you know, you're up to 175 if you were making 100 grand before. So that's where we said, wait a second, the state constitution says you cannot create a debt that has not been approved by the voters with a two-thirds vote. And that's what our supervisors did in 01. And the argument is, well, deal's a deal. And you could have said something then, but even the negotiations were kept away from our own county council. It was sort of it was it was voted on without any good vetting by any professionals at the at the county level. And we're just saying now, in, in hindsight, yeah, sorry, we're looking at it now, and this is unconstitutional. And when you have a contract, according to the federal government, if a if a state or a subdivision makes a contract that's illegal, then it can be rescinded, and that's what we're trying to do. All right, let's a- ask the question then real quick about how long can we sustain 68% funding on our pensions, and especially in lieu of the current economic environment, uh, before we go bankrupt? Well, that's another interesting question. And, and for the listeners, I know a lot of this is what we call MAGO, my, my eyes glaze over. <laughs> right. Uh, this no, is, but this is important stuff, this though. This is critical stuff. This is where everyone is uh, watching the the air just drift right out of their bubbles or their balloons and you know every municipality is 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 gasping uh, with this and the city of bell has made it even all the more mm, you know yes, on the bell. forefront so so you've got uh, a pension system that's called a defined benefit which says you you get a formula at the date of retirement a defined contribution says we're going to put money into your account every year and it's going to earn and you know returns on that investment or maybe some losses if you're you know taking a little more risk in equities 
but at at the end of your biz, your your cycle at the at the at the job, you get what's ever accumulated, and then you start pulling out of that account as you need it for the remainder of your life. With a defined benefit, you get a formula. So we need actuaries then to figure out how much does does the county have to put in or the employer has to put in every year as a percentage of payroll to make sure that we have enough money when you retire. And so if we are 100% funded, that means we're right on schedule. We are we are paying up and, and guaranteeing your benefit as you're working through your career cycle. At 68%, um, that makes it a little more dicey because you have to look now at the formulas that the actuaries are using. And one of the key formulas is, what is your assumed rate of return on your portfolio? And, and that's the portfolio for the county we're talking. For the portfolio for right. the county or for the plan. You know, it could be another city or county. And for CalPERS and for, for the retirement system at Orange County, it's 7 and 3 quarters percent. Which is actually, that's that's about right. You can count, on, as a private investor, you can count on the stock market giving you a return of about 8% a year uh, historically. So that's actually right in the ballpark there. But the last five years, it's been an average of 2% a year well, in equity. We, so, so that kind of blows that all out of the water. Right. And And... Your your bond returns have been maybe four percent on the long bond, and and most financial experts, uh, including Warren Buffett, would tell you you know you ought to use an interest rate assumption that's closer to what the bond yield is. So if we were to go from close to eight percent down to four percent, our infinite liability would double literally. You know, trying to make up uh, for the lost revenue. So so we're already operating at a rather high threshold. So if we don't earn seven and three quarters this year then we're already behind by the difference. So we'll then have a, a lower funded percentage, theoretically, as you work out the math. They use a lot of smoothing techniques. So what, they also have some you know, p- payroll, uh, salary increase assumptions. And then we have another assumption that keeps moving, and that is what, what's your expected life expectancy? And so that's getting longer and longer. So, so we may be at 68%, oh, but we have a high, we have right. a high interest rate assumption and and it, it it could be a lot lower than that. I mean, a study came out of Stanford, you know, some grad students out of Stanford uh, this year, and said, you know, it's the the Cal like you, you just kind of hinted at it. Calpers could be down five hundred billion dollars. Well, and uh, you know, here's the thing too that, and I talk about this on the show regularly. When I when cops, you know, they said, okay, we'll give cops these great things. Uh, these, this great uh, pension plan, 3% at 50. Well, it used to be that cops would only live for maybe a year, a couple years, four or five years after they retired, and boom, they would keel over, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be paying retirement anymore to them. Nowadays, and you're seeing this even with Social Security and whatnot, we have people who are living, what, if you retired at 50 as a cop, you, we could be paying for this person for 40 50 years realistically we could be paying for that person for the next 40 or 50 years and they're not producing a single cent for us and many of them move out of the state and spend their dollars not even here in the state of california but in oregon or idaho or wherever else uh cops like to go when they when they get off the trail you're, you're nodding yes see i'm what do we but see this is the problem though john what what do we do i mean because we have the unions over here who play all these games and say oh what was me we're gonna lose people and the teachers won't be able to teach and the cops won't be able to cop and and the jails won't be able to jail i mean that they, they, they give us all these sob stories and this end of the world crap but really i mean we kind of we are at the end as far as the budget is concerned i mean what are the board 
Board of Supervisors doing to kind of counteract these forces that are coming at them? And just, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to fold your arms up and you have to say, listen, that's it. Game's over, buddy. The, the, the gravy train is done. Well, I do have a good story to tell. All right, please. Cameron, because uh, Orange County is, has been very proactive in dealing with the pension issues. And, in fact, we're probably a model for the rest of the state. In fact, our, what we've just recently accomplished, Arnold Schwarzenegger, our, our lame duck governor, is trying to do before his term expires in a few days. And that is, um, in your negotiations w- with the bargaining units, you initiate uh, a new tier for new hires. This is about the only practical solution for most defined benefit pension plans, it's it's very difficult to go and do anything retroactive, r- you know, you know, well, or, or or change things rather dramatically inside the plan. I, it can be done. The private sector has done it, but we have not seen a government model yet. Would love to be the first, you know, to freeze a DB plan and convert it to DC, and but but it all has to be negotiated. We cannot, according to state law, and not to bag on the unions, but they have done a wonderful job of making sure all the mm-hmm. laws favor their activities. They have they have thought things ahead of us five, ten, twenty years. So we we've been able to to get uh, new tiers for new hires at lower uh, formulas. Now, that means the pig still has to go through the python, but it is a start. We have also uh, done the retroactive lawsuit, which uh, is now in the appellate level. We're waiting for three judges to be selected, and we've already gotten four great uh, amicus briefs in our favor, and the uh, the deputy sheriff's union who were suing over this issue has only gotten one, and that's from a gentleman by the name of Jerry Brown, who just happens to be running for governor and kind of doing it with union help. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, right, you know, interesting. Right. Oh, what a coinky dink. Anyway, in November of 08, and I don't know if I've been on the show after that date, but we had a Measure J, which 75% of Orange County's voters agreed to, which said if you want to negotiate better retirement benefits for your uh, bargaining units, then you can do that, but it will not become effective until the voters vote to approve it. Mm, and I was for so, that one. So that's a nice safety valve. So what that means, Cameron, is we have now negotiated lower formulas for new hires. If those people ever come back and say we want a higher uh, formula, we say, fine, take it to the voters. So I think we've kind of got that in place. Measure J was a great idea. It did well. Uh, Ventura County, which has three Republicans, two, uh, two Democrats on their board of supervisors, just had it on their agenda a couple months ago to put it on their November ballot for this year, and it lost four to one. They, they, they just, you know, they're just so scared of the, 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 of the power unions. of the yeah. unions. And, and I've been sort of lucky. I thought for sure in June of this year I'd have somebody running against me fully funded by the unions like Sean Nelson is facing uh, in the 4th District. So maybe, maybe because of trying to do the right thing and being recognized for it, Maybe they saw the polling data and thought it would be just a waste of money to, to, to run somebody uh, against me. I, I'd like to think that anyway. But we've done a lot of things here that other counties are now looking at, and, 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 and we're the model. It'll, you know, but it's going to take time. This, this, this is a, a long-term problem that, that doesn't have a short-term solution other than you know, bankruptcy, which you know, hasn't been fully tested like in the city of Vallejo. Uh, or anywhere else, but but 
I don't think that's something we need to experiment with here in Orange County quite yet. Well, at least not again. Yeah. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Orange County Board of Supervisor John Morlock. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about Todd Spitzer, because uh, you had a little interesting foray into the Todd Spitzer firing. You had nothing to do with it, but uh, we'll do that when we get back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is The OC Show with me, Cameron Jackson. listening to the OC Show on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Just remember, ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Jackson, he's your Superman, baby. The opinions and views expressed in this show do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. All right, enough of that. Welcome back to the show. This is the OC Show right here with Cameron Jackson. Uh, Every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m., my guest today, Supervisor John Morlock. He's in studio with me. We've been talking about all things Orange County, talking about the budget, talking about pensions here in Orange County. You can listen to this show later on today or tomorrow morning whenever I get it on, probably later today, at theocshow.net. That is theocshow.net. You can also go to uh, KUCI's website anytime you'd like to listen to live audio streaming. That is KUCI.org. KUCI.org. Um, John, thank you again for coming in studio. You know, we've had a little a little dust-up over in the uh, DA's office recently, and your name came up uh, uh, <laughs> with this dust-up, I'm sure, much to your horror and uh, delight at the same time, maybe. I don't know. Um, but essentially what happened was Todd Spitzer is is been accused of asking for inappropriate information or asking for information inappropriately from the uh, public administrator guardian, John Williams. And somehow your office was involved with this particular victim uh, asking for this information through Todd Spitzer, but first through your office. First of all, real quick, because I don't know what this is, what the heck is a public administration guardian? What is that? Um, a public administrator, public guardian, uh, is is two uh, components that are sort of similar. Uh, a public administrator uh, takes care of your personal property if you pass away without any heirs. Okay. So it tries to dispose of your estate. A public guardian uh, takes care of you if you're in need of conservatorship. Okay. So they're sort of related, and so we've kind of combined them. The issue here is that someone was concerned about someone else that maybe her situation needed better attention. So someone meddled and contacted us. And, you know, we, we, you know, you try to figure out all the, you know, the, the situation. And we contacted politely the PAPG, the Public Administrator, Public Guardian, uh, only to be told we're taking care of it. And because, you know, it's a confidential matter, 
you know, you don't, we don't think you have to do anything else. So we emailed, and this hasn't been made public, so I have to be careful, but my chief of staff, well, well Frank Mickadite sort of hinted at it, but my chief of staff just wrote this taxpayer and said, we can't do anything about it. Don't bother us anymore. It's being taken care of and just leave the supervisor alone. Um, <laughs> in a polite way. Right, right, right. Um, but I mean, well, once there's nothing like, you can do, there's nothing you can well, do. But if it's not, if you're not a relative, just, just, you know. Right. Got we it. appreciate everybody trying to, you know, jump in and, and save the world. We, you know, we appreciate that. So we're finding that, that this taxpayer may have even contacted another supervisor's office to try and shake it up. And, and this taxpayer is like a heart attack. Like, you got to do something right now and blah, and people are dying and blah. And so uh, having failed at some of the board offices, didn't she then somehow for reasons unbeknownst to anybody contacts Todd Spitzer and probably gives him the you know the the world's at an end for this person that I'm meddling on behalf of and you've got to do something and 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 we don't know what what's Todd Spitzer did you know I, I don't think he needs to tell anybody that he's a former supervisor or a former assemblyman I mean that's we all know who Todd is I mean unless you just moved into the county right you know so an employee gets a phone call you don't have to throw your weight around just say hey get me to you know, the top of the food chain and, you know, so the um, memo that was now apparently sent out by John Williams, our elected PAPG, uh, to DA Tony Rakakis was actually printed on a Saturday when Todd was fired on a Friday. So it's really strange because the chief assistant to the PAPG is now engaged to the DA, Tony Rakakis. So... It all gets to be real interesting, and whether they thought that this would be something they could use to, you know, somehow get rid of Todd. Uh, maybe they didn't know that others were also dealing with the same taxpayer and working with the. I don't know. I, I you know, I can only speculate. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, you know, by all by all reasons, that on, in and of itself seems to be a very weak weak reason to terminate somebody well i've said it on this show and uh and i in the circles i run in we've said it many times there was no way on god's green earth that susan schroeder was ever gonna let uh todd spitzer become da and that's the that's the hands down bottom line i mean that's the truth and i, I can't speculate on that either so that's why i Cameron, did it for you you are the <laughs> you know <laughs> you are the host yeah um but uh, you know, she's certainly making some strong comments in the press. But but what's fun and you know, fun you ask, you know, Todd is Todd is a, a a very intense, you know, aggressive young man as well, and he has plans. And so it it could be awkward to have someone who sort of assumes he's the next DA, you know, working around the department. I don't know. I don't right, know what, right. what what's going on now, is in he, there. I, if he wanted to run for supervisor, is he eligible to run for supervisor? He lives in the 3rd District. The uh, county has a term limit restriction of two terms. It doesn't seem to say it's for life. So, yes, I, I, I would assume that if he wanted to run for his old seat, now occupied by Bill Campbell, that he could do that in 2012. Now, that brings us to another subject, a nice little segue here. And if you're just joining us, my guest today is John Morlock. He's an Orange County Board of Supervisor member, elected official. Uh, term limits, that's something that um, I'm kind of coming around on uh, as far as I used to say we should have term limits, and now I've kind of come around to, well, 
I don't think term limits are, are maybe a, such a good idea, but if you want to have no term limits, then you got to get rid of gerrymandering. Uh, and you just have to, you know, draw squares, and, and that's it. You know, we, we can't have the craziness that we have as far as that's concerned where we have safe seats. You know, you have embarked on a kind of a long-term process, uh, especially when it comes to the pension issue, and you're only allowed two four-year terms, so that's eight years. If you don't – if it doesn't get resolved in those eight years, then potentially and probably this would happen – uh, your successor would drop the ball on that, and that could go nowhere real quick. What, what are your thoughts on term limits? I'm sort of in your camp, believe it or not. Um, half of me says two terms uh, at the pace I'm going, because I'm working, not to complain, but because, and not because I like to work, but because there's just so much volume, the emails, the phone calls, the meetings, the preparation, the reading, I'm working 13, 14-hour days almost every day, except for Sunday. I get to take a nap on, on Sundays. So half of me says, boy, I'm glad I've only got four years left so I don't get kill myself here at this pace that I'm going. The other half of me falls into the camp that you just described, and that is, you know, it takes a long time to get some of these initiatives completed, and I'm almost already feeling like, I don't have enough time to, you know, to take on some other stuff and get it done within four years because of the pace in which major initiatives move. And I came here to to push major initiatives. You can you can tell it just on the pension, you know, the the Measure J, the you know, the negotiating, the the retroactive lawsuit. I mean, we've we've just done a lot of things, and 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 I did it the first four year term, thinking I'm only here four years. Let's you know, let's go as as, as much as we can. So I'm sort of thinking, is eight years really enough to, to get it all done? I, and and so maybe there's got to be some balance in there somewhere. I, I appreciate the fact that we had a Willie Brown, you know, in the assembly that kind of ran the place for year after year after year after year. But you have that rule of unintended consequences mm-hmm. that you fix one problem only to create new ones. And now you've got staff that kind of run Sacramento. And I don't know how an assembly member gets anything done in two in three terms or two year terms three two year terms and and then you're out and it is and and I don't know how you'd even want to take on an initiative that takes a length of time and and you're only going to think current just like a you know like a business owner or maybe a someone that runs a corporation they just going to say what can I get out of it right now and get the bonus exactly and scoot right. out as opposed to what's going to be good for the state 10 15 20 well, years down the road. And I think it's even worse than that, John. I think it's that people think, what is it going to do for me for my next stepping stone? Right. You're all, when you're termed out, you say, okay, what do I do next? Right. And, and what it does, and another unintended consequence, is what it does, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well for good relationships. It's like if I need help at the state assembly level or senate level, you know, they look at me like, well, you could be an opponent of mine, or mm. we could both be running for the same yeah, seat. So why would I want to help you? I didn't even think about it that you know, way. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is crazy because now everybody's out for themselves, right? And that's why the Democrats have kind of captured Sacramento because all these Democrats look at the unions as ATM machines. And so now the unions have got the majority of, of both houses, and they will probably keep it for a long time because – all these Democrats are going to do whatever the unions want them to do. So we'll never see changes in pension reform in the legislature in Sacramento. 
uh, which is a long-term solution. We're not going to see no, it. No, yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to see it at and all. And so we've tried on the on the initiative process, and that hasn't worked with two attempts. Uh, so that's why I'm saying maybe Orange County is at least taking the forefront and doing it at the negotiating table, and 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 so we're incrementally getting things done. But the next step is we've got to do something even bigger with pensions. We really do. And we have to show our employees, those that vote for their union boards, that they probably won't get a pay raise for five to ten years because of the escalating costs of these employer contributions to the pension plan. But if we can get them to make a major renegotiation and say, hey, let's go back to 2% at 50. Let's reduce that unfunded liability. Let's therefore then reduce the contribution rates. And let's see what kind of room we free up in the budget to provide for some pay raises. Because a lot of my newer employees certainly want to progress and they've got to pay their mortgage and child care and the rest. And if they can see that maybe there are pay raises in the future if we get more realistic with the pension formulas, then I see that as a solution. And that's sort of the next thrust that I'm pursuing for this last term that I'm on and to see if we can really, really execute some some major negotiated change. The last thing, well, it'll probably be the last thing, but maybe not. We'll see. Is this ten cup uh, revamp? And the ten cup was basically um, term li- or not term limits, rather. It was um, contribution limits to politicians here in Orange County. It was it was legislation that was brought up um, or or an ordinance brought up by uh, Shirley Grendel. She's kind of been our our campaign contribution watchdog for the last several decades, at least. And um, one of the things there was a, there was a board that was set up to a commission to set up to look at what our current uh, campaign limit is now and whether or not we should increase it or get or get rid of it altogether. And um, that it I, I remind me what the final was on it. But one of the things that I do remember about it was that many of the people who were on the commission had a vested interest in seeing that campaign contribution limits were either gotten rid of or um, added on to because their businesses like Adam Probolsky and John uh, Lewis and whatnot, these gentlemen make their money from campaign contributions that they use uh, for their candidates uh, so discuss for me what what was the end game or not the end game but what was the outcome and what your thoughts are on having those types of guys within the commission because it just doesn't look right to me on the surface when you have those kinds of guys sitting on that kind of a commission well at first let me disclose that in 2008 i was chairman of the board and i established that commission and i requested that each board office select their appointee so the Adam Probolskis and the John Lewises were selected by my colleagues. Now, have you ever had Shirley Grindle on your show? Yes, I have. Well, uh, not one board office really wanted to deal with her. Yeah, I understand. I took the risk. Um, Shirley is not happy with me because I call her prickly. And she's prickly. She's like a scorpion. I mean, she can be real nice to you up front, but if, if she doesn't get everything she wants, she'll just sting you on the back. So she's not a pleasant person to work with, in spite of some of the good things she's trying to do. We have a campaign limit, thanks to Tin Cup, on on contributions. There are some counties out here that don't have contribution limits. But they have interesting problems, too. Like San Bernardino, I I talked to one supervisor and said, what's it like not having campaign contributions? And he said, well, gee, I had one developer gave me 100 grand. You know, I said, whoa, that would take me like, 
months to raise a hundred, you know, literally in phone calls and with our campaign limitation and trying to, you know, raise the fundraisers and, you know, do all that. You got just, just one guy doing that. <laughs> that would save a lot of time and a lot of headache. So, but, but San, San Bernardino County has a lot of bizarre stories coming yes. out of it too on, on what happens there. So, so, you know, we could pro- I could probably argue campaign finance on both sides. I mean, just like term limits. I could probably debate it on, on both sides. But surely, uh, you know, if, if you're going to talk campaign finance, then you've got to have the Adam Probolskis and the Senator Lewis's on this, on this committee because they're the ones that play in it. You don't get doctors or plumbers. You get, you get people that understand campaign finance. This is being done at the state level with the FPPC, the Fair Political Practices Commission as well. You get people that understand what this industry is all about. And, and they know how important it is to self-regulate and to prevent abuse. But if you look at Orange County, I mean, you know, in spite of what Shirley may feel about Tony Rakakis, our DA, I mean, can you point, you know, to me some corruption that has occurred that hasn't been remedied? I well, mean, specific, Mike I mean, Corona, he wasn't remedied. He had to be remedied by the feds, not by, uh, not by uh, Rakakis. Uh, but that was, I mean, that was just, you know, incest there. They weren't going to, they weren't going to touch well, Mike Corona. why don't you Corona. tell me what he did? Well, Mike, we all know what he did. He, no, was, he was taking money from. Yeah, but, a, you, but uh, you don't see that. I'm talking about campaign contributions. Oh, you're talking about campaign. You know, oh, as far you're talking about you know, as far I, as I, that's concerned. That wasn't the issue. Oh, well, we've got Larry Agron. Uh, Larry Agron is a is a big abuser here in Irvine. No, he's camp- playing by the rules. Well, he is, but he's bastardizing he's, he, he, those rules. Well, he set up the rules, and he knew how to get to get around them. He knew that slate mail. This boy puts on ballot initiatives every time he's up. Well, but they've actually. I mean, this ca- is so simple. What you know? They've it, actually caught him though. Uh, you know, um, proofreading and fixing copy that was supposed to be separate, uh, coming from the hometown voter guide, and he was putting his initials and, and whatnot on. They've caught him in the past. I mean, he's not completely squeaky clean here. So, okay, thank you. I, <laughs> but but we tried to to get a good look by by industry experts, right? On, on what we could do, we came up with with about ten things that everybody agreed on because Tin Cup is not. Not good. Not perfect. I mean, it's got lots of flaws. It's got unconstitutional provisions. Even Shirley agreed with the the 10 changes. So I said, Shirley, why don't we just approve those 10 changes? And then, you know, incrementally, then we go to the next step and get the the serious changes. And she didn't want to do that. She just said, you know, I want... I want a panel, or I want some kind of So she agrees to the 10, but then she doesn't want to sign off on it. Right, right. Well, that doesn't make sense. And she said, this was the worst experience I've ever had. And I thought, well, good. <laughs> so what? You know, were, so, so, so was anything changed, or is it still? Nothing's been changed. We so just, we, just the, we decided to receive and file the report, which said, you know, if you ever pick it up again in the future, then here are ten things that definitely have to be put on the ballot to fix ten cup, and then here are about the five areas that you need to really have some good public debate on whether or not they should be uh, approved or not. And one of those would be some kind of oversight panel because Shirley's argument and obviously yours is that our DA isn't going after political yeah, no, corruption. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, he doesn't go after political corruption. So, unless it's George Jaramillo, then it's okay. Um, what about so the limit right now is what 1700? Right. So what what did what was the proposal to take it up to? No, nothing. We didn't change the limits. No, no. What what was the I mean, what were the people's thinking of of changing it? Oh, if, oh in in the, the the bucket of the five areas yeah, that yeah, we yeah. are looking. Uh-huh. Well, you just go to the state limits. What are the state limits? I think for assembly, it's like uh, thirty nine hundred. Oh well, that's not that's not outrageous. No, no, it's nothing outrageous. It was, but it, 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 then it gets to be a philosophical issue. And what's really funny, 
is that it, when I'm out raising money, uh, a lot of the what we would call heavy hitters, the donors, heavy donors that can afford to make contributions, they kind of like a $1,700 cap. Right. And they right. say, here's your 1700 bucks. Leave me alone. Right. Done. Right. <laughs> yeah, did, and, and you ran in unopposed last time. Did you, were you out fundraising just in case somebody ran against oh, oh, you? It, yeah, before the, before the closing period, the filing period closed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was raising money. But I, I, I'm kind of blessed. You know, when I ran four years ago, I, I actually did direct mail. I raised an incredible amount of money just from regular residents here in the county, you know, that understand what you're talking about and what needs to be done. And they, they just sent money that, you know, from people I don't know who I am very appreciative of. Uh, if, but if you look at my campaign reports, you'll see I, I raised the most uh, money with the most donors right right, right so right. It, it, it it's all across the so you, board you had a lot of spread out and like i, I knew that if that i had an opponent of, right. i could write a letter or two and 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 my and they would and the and the, and the a lot of the people in the county would just step up again and send the 20s dollar checks the 100 dollar mm-hmm. checks you know getting a 1700 dollar check that's sort of cool but it's not the norm and you're right because i've looked at these campaign finance reports and it's very rarely that you see a whole 1700 given by one person. Very rare. It's mostly like hundreds, yeah. 500, you know, here and there. Well, uh, John, I really appreciate you coming back in and uh, talking to me again. It's it's wonderful that you take the time. This is the third time you've come in studio here, and you know your way by heart, I'm sure, on how to get to the studio. Um, anything else, you know? No, we've got I'm, a couple I just, minutes? I would, I would just say that, uh, Cameron, I'm, I'm having a fun time. Good. It's a lot of work. My family's made a lot of sacrifices in time and, and, you know, not having to, I don't have the income I had before in my private sector, uh, vocation, but, but it's been a, it's been a pursuit of significance and really trying to fix things. You know, a lot of public employees think I'm the great Satan on what I'm doing with pensions, but they, they will in about 10 or 20 years realize what I'm really doing. And that is I'm trying to protect their pensions. They have sort of gone out of balance. So we just got to bring it back to where it should be so that they can have maybe the retirement that they had planned on, it doesn't have to be on a millionaire, you know, basis. It doesn't have to be a Rolls Royce. It can be a good Cadillac plan, and, and it was fine before they went up Silly Hill. And so we're trying to fix that, and 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 then also make it affordable and sustainable. And so it just that's just the message. We're not trying to be mean. We're just we're like parents. We, we see things, and we say, you know, that that's a nice idea. Thank you, but we can't do that. We, you know, we can't afford that, and we've got to fix it. So that's that's been fun. So I'm having I'm having a good time, and I appreciate you allowing me to even come back in your studio a third time. Well, hopefully um, I'll make it a fourth one of these days. <laughs> I, I didn't uh, push too hard today. You know? <laughs> so thank you again, and uh, welcome. enjoy your Labor Day weekend. You too. Thank uh, you, Cameron. I will. And with that, I will say, and that was really loud, I will say uh, goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next is Half and Half right here on KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. You've been listening to The OC Show with me, Cameron Jackson. I will see you again next week from 5 to 6 p.m. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good Labor Day. Bye-bye.